Hello, welcome to another episode of a Sideways Live podcast. I'm Leanne. And I'm Al. And um, here we are again. Hello. Hi. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. Well, if this is your first time, then thanks for being here with us. Welcome. We're a couple of idiots who just managed to buy some microphones and do some silly podcasts, aren't we? Yeah, it's amazing what they allow you to put on the internet these days <laughs> without much uh, checks. <laughs> It's funny, I edit all these podcasts and uh, and the amount of crap I just cut out because we just go off on this weird tangent about dogs or gin or something. Oh. Anyway, bit of a special episode because we're not drinking gin today because it's the morning. I know, we usually we do these in at least, you know, late afternoon, but <laughs> mainly evening, <laughs> honest. Yeah, if you're listening, mum and dad, it's that we don't, we don't drink in the afternoon. No, it's always after seven. <clears throat> mm, anyway, so what are we doing today? So I I think today we are revisiting um, one of our previous episodes under our previous name of the Thravelers. Um, if you if you're unsure what happened to the Thravelers, uh, if you're thinking, wait a minute, uh, same voices, different thing. Um, we've explained that before. You're really late to that party. <laughs> Go back, read it, listen. You'll understand. You can't tell off our listeners if they've got to this point and don't know. Good point. You know. Yeah, good point, good point. Yeah, try harder. So, so, so just in case you are wondering, just we Travelers was all about travel, obviously COVID, kicked that in the backside, and so we changed to more about stories about people who have different lives. That's it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Our pillars are business, travel, or, or work, travel, and community. So today we are talking very much about work and travel, mm. really. So, um, so back in... 2019 uh we did our episode i think with paul henning who is a cfo in gibraltar um what i really enjoyed talking to paul about and he's he's one of our friends he's been he's been one of our friends for a while when we were expats in spain together um we just thought it'd be useful to kind of go back through and revisit this episode because he gives some really good tips um, and just again shows another way of just living life differently um, at what would be considered quite a conventional career path, but actually how he's managed to flip that on its on its head and, and travel the world at the same time. So um, I thought there was some useful information there that was worth kind of revisiting. And I think what's different is that uh, with Paul, he's uh, he's maybe sort of halfway between our ages um, and uh, he's decided to make a different... He's, he's not decided to wear a string vest and go and live on a beach in Thailand. Um, you know, he's decided to go and put a, a suit and tie on and go and work in jib. But it's still the same sort of idea. He's just made a big big change in his life. And so if you're not quite ready to go and uh, uh, to go and live on a desert island, then this is definitely a good, a good episode for you. The other little sort of fun fact was that we moved to Spain because... Uh, of Gibraltar because that's where we thought originally we were going to work and it turned out we didn't but uh, uh, so that's exactly where uh, Mr Henning works. So let's get into it. So the first question I think you asked was um, how was your choice of career to enable travel? How did that come about? Let's listen to what he said. Well I guess it all started with my career path um, just thinking thinking ahead what would because I obviously like traveling. Mm. Um, I've was fortunate enough to travel a fair amount with my family when I was growing up. Um, and my father was a chartered accountant, so I thought, well, what better route than to travel around the world is to be a chartered accountant. I think mm-hmm. uh, lots of countries need accountants, so it seemed to be a good choice. And I opted to train with KPMG and become a chartered accountant mm-hmm. and went from there. So as soon as I qualified, uh, 
I left the firm and went travelling around uh, to sort of Asia on to Australia. So with some friends, travelled around Australia for a good few months uh, before deciding I needed to get back into the real world and earn some money. Uh, so I, I landed a job in, in corporate finance working in, in central Sydney. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that for about three and a half years. Uh, obviously, beautiful place to be living, uh, very enjoyable place. Um, and made the most of travelling around the, the great country of Australia whilst I was there. Fantastic. Um, and so sort of after that, uh, I decided to return to Guernsey, where my roots and, and family and friends are. Um, and went back to a company I used to be the in-charge auditor for, uh, being Credit Suisse, obviously a, a fairly global company, and also the potential to travel around the world with that company as well. Mm-hmm. So after spending probably the best part of three and a half, four years working at Credit Suisse in Guernsey, uh, I moved to their London office, uh, where I was working on various different uh, projects, trying to move away from from the usual boring year-end, month-end work of, of an accountant into some different project work to, I guess, broaden my experience and profile. Uh, and that allowed me to travel to places like uh, Zurich and Singapore, working on various IT projects and working with the business. Um, obviously, while while living in London for those two years, I made the most of, of being next to the, the big central hubs, the airports, and... Mm-hmm. And buying the cost-effective flights, uh, obviously not my favourite airline, but obviously Ryanair gives you very cheap, <laughs> cheap ways of getting to lots of different destinations around yeah. Europe, and um, and made sure I made made the most of that, which is yeah, really great, obviously to experience all the different places, obviously whilst keeping a, a full-time job. So I think what I love about that from Paul is it was it was such a a mindful, purposeful choice for him, and I think that's. You know, that there's so many different ways to do it. We kind of made other choices and got frustrated quite quickly with normality. Other people just, you know, just moved to Bali when they're 18 and figure something out. Paul's actually been quite strategic about it. Um, and I think that's really cool. And as well, I hate to sound like my dad. Um, hi, dad. I, I, that's no offense. But you'll see. Um, it's just that, you know, that whole philosophy of go and get a degree, have something to fall back on type thing and what I like about what Paul said there is he made it quite purposeful in that choice but also you know you train with KPMG man you're always going to get a job mm. and you look about you know finance as a as a career the the huge markets around the world whether that be in Europe if you've got a language or Sydney like Paul went to or the states Canada there's just so many options yeah and one of those was interesting is um, one of those options for him was Gibraltar um, if you've ever been to Gibraltar, then um, you'll know that it's a um, kind of a very, I don't want to say strange, because it's just, it's not strange in a bad way, but just this this very strange little little peninsula um, where you've got red phone boxes, but it's also 30 degrees and, uh, um, you know, there's little apes running around and it's just a, just a crazy little place. Um, and it's a really interesting, but also it allows people who are who have who've got roots in the UK or the or Channel Islands or Great Britain. I never remember which one is which. United Kingdom, Great Britain concludes, or British Isles. But it allows them to sort of almost like a soft launch. You can go to this. Uh, you can go to Gibraltar, and it's not too much of a culture shock because um, it is quite British. Fun fact: we got married in Gibraltar. 
Yes, we did. At least we think we did. We've not been able to actually find any official records. Do you remember we looked at that the other day? Hmm. We're like, um, hmm, we might, lol, we might not be married at all. <laughs> well, um, but funny enough, actually, we um, that's what we chatted to Paul next was about um, about Gibraltar. If you've not heard of it or you're not familiar, uh, Paul will tell us a bit, a bit more about that. Just one thing to mention in this, we actually filmed this in Paul's villa in Soto Grande um, in Spain. And uh, our dogs were with us, both ours and his. Um, so there's there's a there's a bit of a moment where they they want they just want to get on they just want to get mm. on the podcast, you know. So mm. yeah, so you'll hear them too. Well, obviously living in Sota Grande and then commuting into Gibraltar is it's a fairly easy commute as commutes go. Uh, there's no traffic to speak of, so it's literally hopping in the car, twenty minute drive to the border. Mm. Um, I've I've chosen not to. Uh, get stuck in queues either going into or coming out of Gibraltar as the the customs and the passport control can can create quite a lot of queues so you could be stuck from anywhere up to 20 minutes to two to four hours mm-hmm. so I'll park the car underground and then cycle across the border um, 10 minute cycle to the office um, that's mm-hmm. sort of a fairly easy commute Absolutely. I guess we should explain for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with with Gibraltar. Gibraltar is um, a, a peninsula on the the southern tip of Spain, which is actually um, British territory. Um, so when Paul's talking about going across the border and passport control, you are essentially passing from from Spain into into the UK. Yeah, that's correct. That blew my mind when we first moved out to Spain mm. or first started to visit Gibraltar. Um, it's just so bizarre. I mean, I'd never really. I was fairly uneducated. I'd never really heard of Gibraltar. And then we went and it was like you said before, there's red telephone boxes and it feels very British, but then also very Gibraltar has a very distinct feeling and culture of, amongst themselves as well. It's very, it's got their own clear identity, that's for sure. And they're so fiercely proud to be British. Mm. They, they talk, I think they say that the, the language is half sort of Spanish, half British, and they call it gibberish, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, but it's cool because the majority of people there will speak both Spanish natively and English natively regardless. Um, but it is, a, it is a crazy place. So I think you asked him a little bit what uh, what working on Jib in Gibraltar is like compared to other places. So working in a, in a city, for example, where, whether it be Sydney or London, obviously it's a much more high pressure environment. You're working much longer hours. Uh, commuting is a bit more of a hassle. Uh, you're living in a either an apartment or... Uh, a, la- a large property, but obviously the larger the property, the further away you, you live from your office. Mm-hmm. Whereas living down here, for the for the cost of renting a two bedroom apartment, you can have a four bedroom villa with a swimming pool. So wow, why not? Yeah. Absolutely. So I and moving down to the role in Gibraltar is obviously much much less stress, much fewer hours, um, and I guess the flip side of that is is you take a significant pay cut from moving. From the city to to somewhere like Gibraltar, but it's it's really about the quality of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have long hours of sunshine, uh, much more relaxed lifestyle, much more freedom to to do any any sports you particularly want to do. So, mm-hmm. for example, I love doing a lot of yacht racing or whether playing golf, tennis, or or getting out on my paddleboard, just rocking down to the beach and mm-hmm. going out for an hour's paddle. Whereas living in the city, there's there's no way you could be doing all those outdoor sports. Mm-hmm. But it's it's sort of living in the in this region with the sun. Sun always makes people smile. I think you could agree. Yeah, <laughs> it's it it helps with the stress. Sunshine just makes everything better, man. 
He does, he does. And I can't imagine really doing stand-up paddleboarding down the Thames. <laughs> I'm not, sure people do. I'm sure they do, but yeah, what happens if you fall in? I'm sure there's like dead horses at the bottom of that river. I don't mm. know. It doesn't look the... Anyway, he's... um Yeah, so I think that's a really, really important point is that uh, he did say, yes, you take a sort of... A, there's, a, there's a payoff or a trade-off to go to work in somewhere like Jib, but 20 minutes he's home um, and he's in his pool or um, he's out playing... I mean, yacht racing, that's... Uh, that's a hell of a sport to be into, isn't it? Yes, I'd imagine it's one you'd probably be into before you moved out to Spain, <laughs> rather than necessarily get into while you're there. But but yeah, there's loads of stuff in there: paddleboarding, windsurfing, golf. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's, you know, it's an outdoor lifestyle. Of course. So you talked a little bit about the work-life balance with him, didn't you? I did. I did. I think it just, um, yeah, our conversation kind of, kind of, kind of went that way. Really. I mean, it seems like it's it's the dream. So we just chatted about whether whether it was. Um, I, for me, I'd say it's a fairly ideal uh, life, lifestyle balance between work and, and personal time. Uh, probably leaving the house around eight, quarter past eight, and I can be in the office around probably quarter to nine. Um, have to do my day in the office, and I could be leaving five o'clock, quarter past five, and be in the pool by six o'clock. You know, fairly, Fabulous. fairly, fairly perfect, really. And if I need to do longer hours, I have the flexibility to be able to work from home. So I can just log in later in the evening and just finish mm-hmm. off the day's work, but whilst enjoying the outdoor lifestyle. So I may, may go and play golf after work or stick my paddleboard on top of the car and, and drive down to the beach down the road and just go for a quick paddle. It's uh, fairly ideal. Now before anyone starts to kick off right about how this isn't fair, please bear in mind that Paul is a chartered accountant. He trained with KPMG, one of the, the toughest companies to to do it with and he's he's paid his dues he's worked his way and now oh good for him and if you're a cfo out there thinking hmm maybe he just described just the you know most perfect work-life balance and uh this was due what two two years ago so now with covid and people used to working from home there's there's probably even more opportunity for someone to go and actually live in spain not even go to work you know just work from their spare room and imagine finishing work at five o'clock and then just being in your pool at 5.03 with a gin and tonic. I mean, it's pretty perfect, isn't it? Mm-hmm. There must be some downsides, though, to this, Leanne. Listen to this segue. There must be some downsides <laughs> to this, Leanne. Did you ask him about the downsides? Do you know, I did, and this is what he had to say. I mean, I guess, I guess definitely there are a down, some downsides to living in the tranquility. You, I do miss a bit of the, uh, I guess, the buzz that you have from the city with, with all the things going on. Um, so that is the drawback of living in away and all amongst the golf courses and all the greenery around. Mm. Much less people, much less less life around. So, yeah, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I'm looking to move into Gibraltar for the winter months mm-hmm. and keep this place for the for the summer months and maybe the weekends. It is true that it is true that we've been especially since since COVID's been with us, mm. we tended to have stayed in more. We stayed in cities, but much smaller cities or on the outskirts. We're now in Istrian Croatia, which is very country. Mm-hmm. And I do miss, I do miss the buzz of a big city. Like that feeling when like you, you're walking around Belgrade or oh, yeah. you're in Bangkok or even in Manchester, you know, and everything that's going on. Yeah, I, I miss that. 
Yeah, but we, our friend Steph and Paul. Hello, if you're listening, Steph Hi. and Paul. Um, we live our life vicariously through them because uh, they they like post co- pictures of cool bars and um, going out for dinner. Now it's just opened up. This in the last week they didn't do it when they weren't allowed to. Um, and uh, and it do, you do have a little sense of like, oh God, I wish I wish we could just go out there because in centre of Manchester you've got a hundred bars you can go to which are all cool and amazing and amazing experiences. But of course that's again this trade off we keep talking about. I mean he's very clear about the trade off. Uh, you know, the trade-off for being able to get in your pool at 5.05 is that you can't just wander down the street and go into the coolest bar in London. What was it? Your your sister Louise. Hi, Louise. Hey. Has um, something on this. What she call space or pace? Yes. Yes. Space or pace. And I think that might be a London, a particularly a London space thing. Space or pace. <laughs> was that your London accent? Yes. Sorry if I've offended anybody. <laughs> I think you've offended everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think that's it. You just decide whether you want the pace of life, but you have to trade off the fact that you're going to be living in a smaller house or a large house, but there's no there's no pace. I think I might have laboured that space or pace point a bit too much. Let's move on. Do you get it? Do we need to explain it again? Just You can email us. So what it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what what would we talk to him next about? Uh, we we stayed we stayed on the downsides, you know. We like to we like to kind of make sure we're we're giving you guys an honest picture. So um, so we talked a bit more about the downsides of uh, of kind of the lifestyle and and then also you know how it's influenced his career. Um, I'd say sort of my career choices in terms of moving around the place has more been just for the experiences and the lifestyle rather than progressing my career as as well as I could have done. Definitely, it's probably set it back a little. But but I, I quite value the the personal choices and the lifestyle. So as long as I'm happy, I'm I'm not too fussed really. That was Bruno in the background, wasn't it? The dog. I think it was Mia. Oh, was it Mia? Yeah, it sounded it sounded quite big doggy. Yeah, hello Mia, if you're listening. Hello Mia. Um, it's it's really interesting because a lot of people who say I'm going to go and live somewhere, I'm going to be an expat somewhere, I'm going to go and live on the beach, and this idea of sitting on the beach with your laptop earning twenty percent and you know, drinking pina coladas, it is, is it fair to say it's bullshit? Well, it's really hard to see a laptop on a beach. Like Good the point. sun is there and, and if you sat in the shade, and uh, I just think as well, it's like, just separate them, you know, mm-hmm. work when you work, play when you play. Um, but yeah, I think it is just, it is an unrealistic image, but I think as well what Paul is saying is that if you make these these slightly different choices... By that very nature, having a sideways life, mm-hmm. you're not going to necessarily have the same linear career trajectory as you would otherwise. And that's okay, because as long as you get to the same point or the point that you want to, you have a little bit more fun and relaxation along the way. I mean, the risk of, of getting a bit depressing, but, you know, you do hear people who retire and then you know, it doesn't go to plan and they mm. get unwell. And I don't know, I don't, I don't think it's worth saving everything until that point but that's me that's me well i I totally agree well obviously we agree because we you know leanne's in her 30s i'm in my 40s and we've we've been doing this for 10 11 years no just like less than 10 years um but i mean we came up with an idea something which was potentially what this podcast was gonna be called was five o'clock freedom and the idea is that when you shut your laptop then you can go and do whatever you want wherever you want um and uh, we're not talking about not working because that would get really boring it sounds amazing sitting on the beach but if you're not careful you'll be an alcoholic in about four weeks um and uh, if you've got nothing to do it's just boring and i think and i think that's what the cool thing is isn't it exactly what you said there that i don't know if there's times where we've been traveling particularly maybe in asia where works for whatever reason stepped up a notch for us and we've spent you know 12 hours sat in in a in our 
little hotel room or in a beach hut mm. working. But the point is, is that even if you've done you've done a twelve hour day, you close your laptop, you go outside, the sun's still shining, you order a pina colada, and you're on holiday for the rest of the night. Mm. And then the weekends come, and and I'm sure you can find ways to have a similar balance in your in your own country. Um, but I think what's exciting is that there are so many ways to have it in other places as well. Absolutely. Now, I mean, what we did, we're all about the realistic questions here, as you've probably guessed. So we did ask him an honest question, like, did you ever want to give up and go back to the UK? So what did he say to that, Leanne? He said this. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Obviously, building a new network of friends takes quite a long time if you keep moving around. And I've, I still value my close friends that I have back in Guernsey, a uh, really close group of friends, probably still still my best group of friends, uh, are the ones I grew up with and went to college with. Mm-hmm. So so I do miss that close network. Mm-hmm. But but then, you know, they'll come out and visit me and I, I can frequently go back to the island of Guernsey and, and see them. So it's, yeah. you know, I know they're always there for me if I need them and likewise I'm always there for them. Um, I'm sure that's definitely an option, probably probably Guernsey more than the UK, given that my family are, are based in Guernsey. So that's definitely a possibility. I still have some property there that's rented out, so it's it's not too difficult to, a choice. Uh, Guernsey being an, an offshore financial services industry, uh, there'd definitely be some positions there should I wish to move back. Mm-hmm. But for the time being, I think I'm quite enjoying living in the south of Spain with the, with the sunshine and the hot weather and, yeah. and the outdoor lifestyle. Yeah. Damn right you are. Damn right, yeah. He's got it, he's, he's got it sorted. It's... um. I, th- I think that it's funny because I think that the th- theme that goes through anyone who's an expat is that um, is the friends and the community you've left behind. I know when we lived in Spain, um, we met lots of people who were British or different countries, but you just have this sh- almost like you have this shared experience of living in a different country and not being a native of that country. And you sort of bond over that. Uh, but it does mean then, because there's far few people to choose from, uh, so you don't necessarily choose the friends or the people you hang around with because you're limited just to the people who, who you know, who are in your same situation. I mean, that said, we've been very lucky. Most of the people we met were fantastic. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's definitely not the same as being in the UK or the US or wherever you grew up. Or you're relying on local people to speak English. Mm. Um, and we've been lucky in that sense as well and, and met some some great friends from from all over the world that are, that are local, but it, you are then expecting them and, and putting that pressure on them to have these conversations in, in, in English. So it's, um, yeah, it's a lot. I think the other thing that Paul said there that I liked is that nothing's irreversible, you know? Mm. It's like if you want to try it for a couple of years and you enjoy it but think that's it for me and I've had my adventure, that's fine. If it lasts for 10 years, that's fine. If you never go back to your home country again, that's fine. And I think one of the questions that really frustrates me is when people say, when are you coming home? Or is it sustainable what you're doing? It's like, I have no idea, man. I have no idea. Don't know, probably not. I mean, COVID was a test in terms of whether that Mm. was sustainable. Um, But the fact is, is that it works for us right now. And if we get to the point that it, it doesn't and it no longer makes us happy, then then yeah, we'll go back to the UK or we'll go somewhere else. It's not, you're not making a, a permanent decision. You're, um, you're just taking a little segue. Okay, so well, we've given you our sort of take on advice if you did want to become an expat. So I believe you asked for Paul what his advice to others might be. I did. And let's be honest, he's much more authority than we have in terms of this. So yeah. 
Uh, that's a difficult question, really. I mean, you follow your heart, really. I mean, career is not be-all and end-all. If you can still make ends meet by, by taking different choices, your happiness at the end of the day is paramount. Mm-hmm. So, so rather than sort of gunning to progress your career as quickly as possible, you'll get there one day, but there's, mm-hmm. there's no rush, really. Why stress yourself out? Just uh, take your time and enjoy life. I guess it all started with my choice of, of the career as a chartered accountant. I mean, it's not, not as boring as people think. It's not just the bean counter, be all and end all. Um, there's plenty of choices out there. The the world is your oyster, effectively. I like that. It's what we were saying before, wasn't it? That it's it's about balance and it's about understanding the balance that works for you. If you want to put your head down and go for it for you know twenty years and and progress your career as quickly as possible, wherever that may be, and that suits you, then go for it. That's we're not saying there's anything wrong with that. But I think the the point that Paul makes there as well that if you want to just a bit a bit of a different balance if you want to create the lifestyle while you're building your career there are plenty of opportunities to do those two things together absolutely i mean you hear lots and lots of stories of of people who've climbed the corporate ladder got to the top and then just just felt empty because they didn't that you know they worked so hard their head down they never looked up to where they were going i'm getting a bit um bit cheesy analogy here um, but I suppose what we're saying is exactly what my lovely wife just pointed out is that it's horses for courses. It's whatever you want to do. If you want to get your head down and, uh, and become the CEO of Barclays, fine, go do that. If you'd rather just work four hours a day and, uh, and live on a beach, then just do that. If you want to do something in, in between, then, well, you've just heard from, heard from Paul how you can do that too. And I think for us, you know, one of our, our reasons for, for starting, you know, shifting to a sideways life podcast is that, you know, we said before, we didn't really have these, these stories told to us or these experiences mm. or examples of different ways that you could do it. And and I think that's important, really. If you're, if you're sat there and you're frustrated and it's not working out how you planned, you know, you, you can change it. You can change it. You can do it. Okay, so the last question we asked him was a bit of a tactical one, a bit of a thorny one. Um, I don't know whether, I mean depending on your political views, then you might think that Gibraltar is a great place for tax or a terrible place for tax. But the fact is that tax in Gibraltar is very different to tax in Spain. Tax in Spain is pretty high. Generally, as in Andalusia, you're talking about sort of up to 50% um, of your income and then other taxes to pay as well. You get taxed on worldwide assets. Uh, Whereas in Gibraltar, it's very different. Um, So we did ask what the main differences were between Gibraltar and Spain in terms of tax. Um, well, Gibraltar is a low-tax jurisdiction, so it's very favourable, uh, very low taxes, uh, good quality of life. So you can either, well, as, as I said earlier, you could either rent in an apartment in Gibraltar. The flip side is you could also rent a villa with a pool for the same money in Spain. Mm-hmm. But then if you're resident in Spain, you could be paying anywhere up to 46% tax. So you'll be paying the difference between the tax you pay in Gibraltar to the Spanish uh, tax authorities. So whilst you have the quality of life with a, with a much bigger house and, a, and enjoy the pool, you are paying a lot more tax. But, but that's, again, a lifestyle choice. See, I bet you didn't expect to tune into this episode today and get some free tax advice from a KPMG <laughs> trained accountant, did you? He's just corrected me. I said 50% tax is actually up to 46% tax. So I think you've learned a couple of lessons here. Um, is One of which main one is to not to come to me for tax advice because uh, um, I don't really know what I'm talking about. That, that is true. That is true. Um, 
Yeah. And I guess that, that's the, the final point, I guess, that sums it all up, everything we've been saying, is that it's a trade-off. Mm. Can you have it all? Maybe very few lucky people could have it all, but you could probably have most of it. Mm. That's pretty good. That's a really, really good point. I like that. <laughs> Can you have it all? Probably not. Can you have most of it? Almost sure. certainly. Almost certainly. Well, there you go. Oh, do you remember a lovely trip down memory lane? I think Paul's lovely wife was um, was away. She's from uh, Colombia, so I think she was away that time. So we, uh, it was just the three of us, and we had lovely chats, didn't we, and meals, and bobbing around his pool. Oh, it was good times. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when we could travel and see our friends? I know, I know. So I think there you have it, don't you? Yeah, I think that that's it, really, isn't it? So if you want, I'd say if you want to learn more about Paul, but I, I don't think Paul's really wants everyone to start emailing no, him and asking questions. he's not got time. No, he's in the no, pool. No, he's paddleboarding. Paddle <laughs> <laughs> but no, if you are interested, we'll leave, uh, we'll leave the links to his social media if you do want to check out his lovely lifestyle or if you've got you know, a genuine question about, about accounting and doing it abroad, then I'm sure he'd, he'd help. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he would. Or not. Find out, eh? <laughs> Okay, so we'll wrap it up there and uh, we will see you next time. And I've totally lost the schedule of what we've got happening next on the next one. But all you can say is it's going to be a really good episode because they're always amazing. Do you happen to know, Leanne? Yeah, it's a really good one. What's the next, what's the next one? It's Daniel, Dan Salmon. Oh, Dan the man. Oh, you're going to love this. You love this. All I'm going to say is that Dan organises luxury holidays for the likes of Callum Best. That's all I'm going to say. It's really cool. Teaser. Yeah. All right, guys, speak to you soon. Bye. Do you think we really should give out Paul's details? He might be angry. We probably should have asked. And if he says no, I put them know. on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>